Chapter Ten of A Woman of Yesterday. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Woman of Yesterday by Caroline Atwater Mason. Chapter Ten. She sitteth in a silence of her own. Behind her, on the ground, a red rose lies. Her thinking brow is bent nor doth arise her gaze from that shut book whose word unknown her firm hands hide from her there all alone she sitteth in thought trouble maidenwise r w gilder an october morning and breakfast time in the ingram household great doors stood open into the dining-room where the vast round table could be seen with its glittering array of silver and the grace and color of exquisite flowers a slender girl as graceful and charming in her simple morning dress as the flowers she had just placed on the table stood in the doorway waiting a shade of impatience on her face behind her at one of the dining-room windows stood oliver ingram her half-brother mrs ingram with her other daughters one older one younger were in the adjoining library outside in the hall a man paced up and down with impatience which he did not attempt to conceal this was mr ingram himself a man of good height fine erect figure and youthful energy of motion and bearing his hair was gray as also his heavy moustache and imperial his eyes gray also keen clear but inclined to wonder with disconcerting swiftness he had a high beak-like nose and a fine carefully kept skin in which a network of dark red veins betrayed the high liver he was at once peremptory and gracious military and courtly a man of the world and of affairs on a large scale with watch in hand he entered the library and approached his wife cornelia he said smiling with good-tempered sarcasm does it strike you that the show is a little late in opening i dislike to mention it but it is already ten minutes past eight i am not familiar with the social customs of abyssinia nor even of macedonia but in the united states it is considered good form for guests albeit lions to come to breakfast on time even the harkan tiger i understand is usually prompt in his attendance on that function papa cried his youngest daughter louise you are perfectly dreadful mrs ingram looked up into her husband's face with her mild conciliating smile i am so sorry justin she said softly but i suppose the poor dear creatures are very tired after the meeting last night and their journey and all there was a slight noise on the stairs as she spoke and mr ingram faced about with military precision to receive in succession a number of ladies who filed into the room and were warmly greeted and promptly presented to him by his wife two were visitors from new york substantial bored women other two returned missionaries from japan the last to enter was a shy brown little person with soft dark eyes a native hindu who could only communicate with her host by a gentle pleading smile all were in attendance on a great missionary conference held in burlington that week 
drawing its supporters from all new england and new york shall we go to breakfast cornelia mr ingram asked having infused sudden courage into the trembling breast of the little native by his gallant attention are we all here why no papa interposed his youngest daughter we must wait for mr burgess mr burgess repeated her father in a musing tone i do not recall that i have met him is the gentleman an invalid at least the gentleman is here papa murmured louise directing his attention to a young man who at the moment entered the room and approached mrs ingram with a few words of courteous apology meeting him mr ingram saw a slender youthful figure somewhat below the average of masculine height a man of delicate physique perhaps five-and-twenty years old with a serious sensitive face and earnest blue eyes looking out through glasses a young man who presented himself with quiet self-possession and bore the unmistakable marks of good breeding as they took their places around the breakfast-table keith burgess for this was the young man's name found himself seated opposite oliver with whom he was not drawn to converse and between the second miss ingram and the little aruna bia conversation with the latter being necessarily of an extremely limited nature her gentle lisping of if and thank you being somewhat indiscriminate the guest found himself shortly occupied exclusively with his very pretty neighbor you know mr burgess she was presently saying i almost feel that i know you already how so asked keith simply it was plain that although accustomed to the refinements of life this was not a man accomplished in social subtleties there was in fact a curiously unworldly expression in the young fellow's eyes and somewhat of thoughtful introspection why you see mamma and some of her friends who heard you speak last spring have told us so much about you keith bowed slightly without reply and you can't think mr burgess how delighted we are to have you come to burlington we were so afraid you would leave for the east before we could hear you and i assure you that would have been a great disappointment i think you sail in the spring do you not yes in may as soon as i graduate and it is for india i suppose so it is not fully determined but that would be my choice and i believe the board inclined that way the pretty miss ingram whose name was gertrude sighed a very little it is all so wonderful so almost incredible to me that any one young and like other people don't you know can really go she said gently there are people to whom it seems perfectly natural mamma has a new protege who is to go out as a missionary teacher a year from this fall she is very young only twenty-one and we all think she is lovely but still for her it seems really the only thing to be expected she has the genuine missionary air already and you would know she could not be anything else somehow keith looked civilly but not keenly interested i wonder if it is any one i have heard of he remarked it is our board that sends her yes her name is mallison anna mallison her father was a country minister up in the mountainous part of the state poor thing she will find india quite a change after vermont winters i should think 
an improvement perhaps said keith smiling but really miss ingram going back to what you said a moment ago why should it seem so incredible for a man who has devoted himself to the service of god truly and unreservedly to be willing to go where what little he can do is most needed many men go to foreign countries and remain the better part of their lives for business purposes men in the navy englishmen of course of social and political ambitions by hundreds do you ever feel that there is anything extraordinary or superhuman in what they do gertrude ingram was looking at the young man with almost devout attention no she answered shaking her head with pretty humility seeing which way he led then why pursued keith burgess leaning over to look steadily in her face with his earnest eyes and lowering his voice to a deeper emphasis why do you wonder that now and then a man should be willing to do for the lord jesus christ and the salvation of souls what a hundred men do as a matter of course for their own selfish ambition and the gaining of money the girl looked down the brightness of her face softened by serious feeling the only wonder miss ingram is that so few do it for my own part i do not see how a fellow who goes into the ministry as things are now can do anything else and keith turned back to his neglected breakfast thereafter he was drawn into conversation across the mute languor of the little hindu with his host who had questions to ask regarding fulham which had been his college at four o'clock that afternoon keith burgess sitting in a large congregation in dr harvey's stately church listening with consciously declining interest to a long statistical report which was being read from the pulpit felt himself touched on the shoulder looking up he saw the rev frank nichols pastor of a mission church in the city he had known him well in college a clear-eyed well set-up young cleric nichols invited him by a word and look to follow him and together very quietly left the assembly when they had reached the street in the crisp autumn air keith shook himself with a motion of relief is there anything more tiresome than such a succession of meetings he exclaimed shall we walk i am in a hurry to climb one of these hills we must do it later returned nichols but if you are not too tired i want to take you down this street and on a block or two to my church the women are having a meeting there this afternoon oh yes i remember but will it be in order for us to intrude yes that will be all right the brethren drop in quietly now and then and are welcome you needn't stay long for you are tired i know by your face but i tell you what it is burgess i want you to hear anna mallison anna mallison again that name which he had heard in the morning it began to have a strangely musical quality to keith's ears i have heard her name she is under appointment i believe a good speaker no not a particularly good speaker but as dr harvey once said to me an absolutely true nature she is a young woman of strong personality but singularly destitute of the desire to impress herself and with a certain touch of the unconsciously heroic 
about her which you feel but cannot describe i have never met a girl of precisely her type before myself and i am curious to know what you will think of her entering the small unpretentious church nichols and his friend sat down in the first row seats next to the central aisle the room was nearly full several women were upon the platform from which the pulpit had been removed one woman was speaking in a high-keyed plaintive voice it was not a stable or quiet audience some were leaving their seats others coming in many turning their heads to catch glimpses of expected friends behind the young men came in two girls who remained standing close beside them in the aisle for a little space one of these girls had pretty fair hair and peachy cheeks she was dressed in deep blue with touches of gilt cord and buttons giving a kind of coquettish military jauntiness to her appearance she wore a small round hat of dark blue which set off her pretty hair charmingly her manner was full of quick eager animation she smiled much and whispered to her companion continually this companion stood motionless and unresponsive to the frequent appeals made to her a quiet face and figure a dress and bonnet of plain and unadorned black ill-suited to her youth but it was her face and figure rather than the other to which kenneth burgess found his attention riveted he knew intuitively before nichols told him that this was anna mallison but without this knowledge he felt that he must still have kept his eyes upon her face the repose of it the purity and elevation of the look the serene serious sweetness were what he had seen in the faces of angels men have dreamed of rather than of women they have loved but that she was after all a woman with a woman's sensitiveness and impressibility he fancied was manifest when having perhaps felt his look resting thus intently on her face anna turned and their eyes met in an instant's direct uninterrupted gaze whereupon a deep flush rose and spread over the clear brown pallor of her face and she turned and bent to speak to her friend as if to cover a slight confusion the friend was mally loveland and she was finding her position a particularly satisfactory one at the moment being aware that mr nichols was so placed as to take in the best points of her new fall costume in a side view it was for him not for anna that she had been using so much of nervous energy in the last few minutes a lady who had left the platform for the purpose now came down the aisle and taking anna mallison by the hand with a word of welcome conducted her to the front of the church mally thus left alone fluttered into a place made for her seeming to discover mr nichols as she turned and smiling surprise and pleasure upon him just before anna began to address the gathering while a hymn was sung keith burgess quietly made his way to a seat near the front of the church at the side of the platform he had excused himself to nichols who had then asked and obtained permission to sit beside mally an incident productive of a vast amount of conscious and fluttering delight on the part of that young lady the austerity of anna mallison's religious life had under the influence of mrs westervelt and her disciple mrs ingram relaxed within a few months to a marked degree 
new conceptions of a relation of joyful assurance of conscious acceptance with god had risen within her with the perception that religion was not exclusively prohibition and conscience its only energy something of warmth and brightness had been infused into her chill colourless outward life furthermore by the intercourse with the ingrams which had followed her first visit she was still in a manner ice-bound in her interior life and in her capacity for expression but the ice was beginning to yield and here and there to break up a little thus in the manner with which she spoke on this occasion there was something of gentleness and a less uncompromising self-restraint than when she had first spoken before an audience she was still noticeably reserved still innocent of the orator's arts or of conscious seeking to produce an effect she still delivered herself of her simple message as if it were a duty to be discharged rather than an opportunity to be grasped but through the coldness of all this neutrality there pierced now and then a ray of the radiant purity and loftiness of the girl's inner nature and this time those who heard her did not pity or patronize her in their thoughts keith burgess watched her from the place he had chosen her tall meagre figure in its nun-like dress was sharply outlined against a palely tinted window opposite through which the october sun shone she stood without support of table or desk her hands falling straight at her sides and looked directly at the people she addressed fearless since burdened with the sense of immortal destinies not with the consciousness of herself keith noted the hand which fell against the straight black folds of her dress its fine shape and delicate nature alone expressed her ladyhood she could not have been called pretty but her face thus seen in profile was almost beautiful the hollowness of the cheeks and the stringent thinness of all the contours being less obvious but keith burgess was not occupied with anna's face and figure to any serious degree he knew instinctively that she was of good birth and breeding he saw that though severe and angular in person and manner she was womanly noble refined he defined as no one could have failed to divine the essential truth and purity of her nature from her simple unfeigned utterance he perceived the high earnestness and consecration with which he was entering upon missionary labor perceiving all those things the young man looked and listened with a sudden momentous question taking swift shape in his mind he remained until the close of the meeting and met anna introducing himself as he preferred doing she received his few expressions of satisfaction in hearing her with scant response and apparently with neither surprise or gratification he did not like her the less for that the ingrams found keith sober and preoccupied at dinner that night but as he was to be chief speaker at the evening session of the convention they thought this natural and in order he was liked and was treated with especial consideration by them all and even mr ingram did him the honor of going to the church to hear him speak he had no sympathy with his wife's penchant for missions but he thought burgess was a nice little fellow and he wanted to see what kind of a speech he could make the different members of the family and their guests 
came home one after another late in the evening and as they met exchanged enthusiastic expressions concerning the eloquence of keith burgess mrs ingram and the bored ladies thought the dear young man had a wonderful gift aruna baya smiled tenderly in assent assent the girls said he was simply perfect and mr ingram admitted that when he had worked off some of his sophomoric effervescence he might make a good deal of an orator and added under his breath it was nothing less than a crime to send a delicate talented boy like that to make food for those barbarians whose souls weren't worth the sacrifice even if he could save them which he couldn't very true dear rejoined his wife no man can save another's soul he can only lead him to the dear lord's feet the senator bit short a sharp reply and just then keith himself appeared looking pale and exhausted deprecating wearily the praise they were eager to bestow upon him and begging to be excused if he withdrew at once to his room as the sound of his footsteps was lost in the hall above mrs ingram said i am sorry mr burgess was so tired i invited anna mallison to come here for the night and i wanted him to meet her mrs churchill has asked the opportunity for a little talk with anna in the morning and it will be convenient for her to be here it is so far to her rooms you know i should think the house was full already mamma remarked gertrude ingram where can we put her oh she will not mind going up to the south room in the third story my dear i told jane to have it in order just then miss ingram came into the house and anna mallison was with her End of chapter ten